Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Where ag and life collide. Brought to you by Gowan. Tom Fitch and Bard Date Company. Who knew dates were this cool? We talk it all right now. Hello, America, and a growing audience around the world. Welcome to Open Field Radio, raising the hip factor in agriculture. Can you say that? I don't know. Super cool show today. Friend of mine, yep, a guy I actually know is on the show today. Tom Fitchin from Bard Date Company. And you know what? He's in the studio. That's even cooler. I was thinking back, counting up how many guests have actually been in the studio for Open Field Radio. That's a total of, including Tom today, that's a total of three. We'll call that progress, but honestly, what do you know about dates? I don't know anything about dates. I know I like them. I love to eat them. So Tom's going to walk us through everything he knows about dates and a few things he doesn't know about dates. I love it. They're called the fruit of kings. I think that's super cool. But along with all the agriculture part of dates, Tom's going to talk to us about happy trees. And that's not the old Bob Ross, you know, painting some happy trees. This is some real happy trees and the language of trees. Figure it out. I don't know. As a reminder, don't forget to check out openfieldradio.com. There's always something happening there. Subscribe to it if you want. Love to have you on board. Also, don't miss the WhatsApp button down at the bottom in the contact us area down there. Shoot us a message. Say hello. I'm super excited because I have new speakers in the studio. You'll hear about those in a little bit. It's just my world. You know what I mean? Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 11 with Tom Fitchin. We'll hear all about it in plus or minus 90 seconds. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com slash careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com slash careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. Let me start this by saying this is not a paid advertisement or something someone talked me into doing. This is just me, Mark, talking about something I really like. And what I really like right now are my brand new speakers in my studio here from IK Multimedia. The iLoud Micro Monitors. Whatever your listening status may be, so to speak, whether you work in a studio or you're at home or you need something great on your desk, I kid you not, these are mind-blowing. High-end sound without the high-end price, linear frequency response, zero coloration, transparency, headroom for days. To hear the truth, you need reference speakers that offer up, and these offer up. Do I sound excited? That's because I am. I'm mixing this very show on these speakers right now. They're that cool. Believe what you read. Believe the hype. The iLoud Micro Monitors from IK Multimedia. Check them out for yourself at ikmultimedia.com and tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. Let's get to it. Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 11, Tom Fitchin and Bard Date. It all starts right now. 
Bard Date, Bard, California. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yes, I've yes. been out there. It's we, actually beautiful. Are they groves? What are they? Dates are a grove or a stand? You or know, a, I think I, I, uh, people who, who um, I think know what they're talking about refer to them as gardens of all things. Okay. And so I think that's the proper terminology is a garden. Although I, I, I um, it's it's difficult to bring myself to to call them gardens as much as groves or something like that. You know. Well, I've been yeah. out in them with you, right? And they are a uh, garden is a great word for it because it's very tranquil. Uh, yeah, absolutely, you it, get underneath it, them and it's beautiful. It's a completely different atmosphere. Um, it's a it's a special work ambience, if you will. I'm I'm the son of a citrus guy. Oh, okay. And so I grew up in in orchards, you know. Yeah. And so, but but even with that said, the um, the date gardens, if you will, are are special unto themselves. So, I like that. Yeah. So uh, it's a uh, it's an orchard setting, but then uh, uh, but then a little bit more. How'd you get into dates? Um, good question. Um, I was uh, a uh, grower slash farm manager for uh, for one of the uh, produce operations here in town for mm-hmm. years, and um, got just got to the point where I wanted to do something different, you know, something maybe a little bit less, or uh, or the uh, um, crisis management wasn't as um, wasn't what it is in, in produce during certain times of the year, and so bounced around for a bit and uh, kind of wandered into the day community, and it's been what I was looking for. Didn't know, you know, didn't know what I was looking for when I left the produce deal, but uh, this is still has its moving parts, so so there's a there's enough going about it that keeps one you know in the game, um, and yet it's a permanent crop, you know, as opposed to row crops, right? And and so it's uh, it has a whole different. Um, element to it so i re- i really enjoy it is a date a fruit a vegetable don't know i'll look it up <laughs> it's good to eat. i'll look it up that's totally cool in all fairness to tom i didn't expect him to have all the answers and in fact from here forward he's got all the answers so i looked it up is a date a fruit or a vegetable any idea mm-hmm it's a stone fruit. So that would be things like peaches, plums, cherries, nectarines, apricots, mangoes, raspberries, blackberries, olives, and yes, dates. You were you were in citrus. Wound up in dates. Yeah, my dad was a, was a was a citrus guy. My first job out of college was as an assistant farm manager in one of the large corporate farms out of Bakersfield, one of the citrus farms back then, and. Um, and it was wasn't quite what I was looking for at that at that stage of life, and so I wound up. Um, in in the uh, irrigation business at that time, the drip irrigation was just take, you know, taking off, mm-hmm. and so um, it's kind of in its golden years. And so uh, wound up uh, in in that for 15 years, and of those 15 year, years, was uh, in Latin America for nine. Lived and worked in Latin America for nine oh, years. Okay. And so during that time, um, just really developed uh, um, the, the language a bit, you know, as well as an appreciation for the culture. Uh, there were there were certainly there were moments when I was wondering what am what are we doing here in Mexico, you know. But now uh, looking back on it, um, that was invaluable to getting into the produce business here in Yuma. You know, sure. um, my wife and I moved back to Yuma uh, in '96 uh, with four kids. Went to work for a guy who was looking to replace his farm manager who just recently left, and was looking for a guy who spoke Spanish and who was uh, hopefully teachable. And so that's where I came into the, to play. And I didn't know the first thing about produce. Produce and citrus are very different. Um, sure. Didn't know the first thing about disking or you know ground prep or <laughs> any of those kinds of things that are that are very important in the produce deal. And so the first three years were the learning curve was very steep. But uh, but but all that to say, uh, what got me into 
the door was the ability to speak Spanish. And of course, all of our labor is Spanish speaking. And so be, between that and just understanding the culture, and there are different cultures, you know, as you will know. And so um, just appreciating them for who they are, you know, um, it, it was huge. And so um, it's all about people, you know. Um, that's one of the things that I think is just neat about being a farm manager is uh, it's, it's, where, it's that place where everything comes together. The people aspect, uh, you know, the, the crop that you're growing, the dirt, the, the machinery, um, you know, the, the, the fertilizer, the, what, you know, whatever, all the inputs uh, come through that person. So it's really cool. It's very dynamic. You know, it's, there's, a, there's a lot going on. And, and um, I've heard it said that all the constants are variables because you're out, you know, you know it's, uh, it's, you're outside, you know, it's, it's dynamic, you know, exactly. uh, the weather is what it is, you know, and so you, you make the most of what, what you're dealt with. And so it's, it's, it, I've, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. It's not for everybody, <laughs> but I certainly enjoy it. You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. Gowan Company. You know, staying accessible and connected is key to running a cool show like Open Field Radio. And sincerely, listeners are important. That means you. And because of that and the growth of the show around the world, you can now reach us on WhatsApp. And it's super simple. The easiest way? OpenFieldRadio.com. At the very bottom, right there in the Contact Us section, there's a button that says WhatsApp. What do you know? Click that, shoot us a message. You know what? There's somebody at the other end of that that will gladly connect with you. We love to keep in touch because without you, we're just talking to ourselves. Stay connected because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. Quick shout out to some folks we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Big hello to Jackson City, Tennessee, Greenville, Ohio, Kansas City, Missouri, Seward, Nebraska, Sun City, Arizona, Mumbai, India, and Hanoi, Vietnam. Thanks for listening. From the Gowan Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel, this is Open Field Radio. Take me through the growing process of a date. Certainly. I guess we start our season out, we're in the end of January now. We've been into the first activity of the new season now for a little over a month, and that and that is basically taking the thorns off the fronds, the, the, the palapas, as they say in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, that enables the, the laborers us to get up in the tree and work the upcoming crop. The dates left to their own devices are rather unfriendly plants. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. The thorns on a date palm, when they're dry, They'll go right through your finger, right through your hand. Yeah, they're like a 16-penny nail. Oh, they're 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 tremendous. Yes. It's hard to explain if you've never seen them how sharp they are and how just nasty they are. They're nasty. Yeah, yeah. They'll go through boots. They'll go through all sorts of stuff. You know, our, our you know our seasoned date guys. I don't think there's a one of them that doesn't have a, a date thorn floating around their hand somewhere. You know, so it's just that's just part of it. You know, so anyway, that starts our kicks off our season by just taking those thorns off. After that, the flowers start emerging.
emerging, you know, about, oh, I mean, we're starting to see some already. Once that emergence, I guess to a certain point, we'll start blowing pollen on them. All of our gardens, if you will, are, are female trees, and then we have um, male trees scattered around, and, and so we, we process the pollen off of those and um, and then blow them on with mechanical blowers, uh, much like kind of modified sidewalk blower, leaf blowers, you know, that kind of thing. We'll meter a dose of pollen in that airstream, and that's how we the, administer the, um, the pollen on the trees. And so that goes over a period of about five weeks. We try to visit every tree once every five days with a shot of pollen so to ensure that there's a, there's a adequate pollination because that's where the crop starts. You know, if you don't have a good crop set, then you, then everything that follows is kind of a, is a compromise. And so that's where it starts. So, so that's we, well said. That's really well said. Yeah. So that the next step is uh, is kind of guiding the um, those developing fruit arms. Um, there's 13 natural alleyways that exist uh, around the circumference of a date tree, and so we'll we'll guide all that developing mass or fruit uh, into one of those 13 alleyways, uh, and then tie them off into the neighboring palapas to keep them going the right direction. Once that fruit gets big enough, then we'll um, send uh, another crew through there and manually thin the fruit basically will take off about 70% of the fruit. Obviously, we're going for size. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're rewarded in the marketplace by, um, at least that's the idea, <laughs> of, of putting large dates in the box that are presentable. You know, we'll visit a date tree over the course of the season 12 times, um, you know, just to make sure that, um, you know, we're, we're getting what we're looking for. Well, they, and they, at that some point, they, they'll tie firm, if you will. They'll follow up that guide the, the stems through the alleyways, and then we'll tie them firm to an, to a, an adjacent um, palapa so that the weight of that developing um, fruit stem isn't enough to support itself necessarily. So oftentimes it'll break. And so this keeps that from happening and, and basically kind of um, secures them when the wind blows and that kind of stuff. So. And from that point, At that point we'll put sacks on, uh, and that keeps that protects the developing dates from birds and that kind of stuff. And then, uh, uh, then we'll we'll tie the bottom of that uh, close so that you know you know as the as the maturing date it'll you've got a storm coming through or the wind comes through as we approach harvest season. Those sometimes those, the the dates will will part company from the tree or from the from the stem from the calyx, and so that'll capture the bottom of the of the um, oh, of, the, of the sack. So that's it's there when we when it comes time for harvest. So and then we'll harvest it and then we'll take all that stuff off at the end of the season. Start so, again. Start again. Yeah, it has its moving parts, and it's just fun as you know, as a as the kind of the managers to kind of make sure that you're you're staying in front of it and that you're utilizing your you know your people and everything else efficiently. You know, labor is seventy five percent of our of our co- of our cost, and so it's a big deal. You know, and it's uh, it's an expensive crop to grow to begin with, and so you want to make sure you manage that side of it effectively. Well, you jumped ahead of me, but I'll, let's go there. You said labor; these are very labor intensive, aren't they? They are. It's a you know uh, our you know, growing costs are neighborhood of 17,000 an acre and that's probably on the conservative side and 75 and again three quarters of that's labor so it's a big deal you know and then every year it goes up another eight percent or whatever it is you know so that's what we're facing this year and and that's pretty much been um about where we've been for the last you know as long as i've been around is you know you're looking at that kind of increase every year just on the labor side now if you're at all interested i found this at farmprogress.com searching uh arizona and california and date agriculture things like that and yuma arizona plus Imperial County and Riverside counties in California are home for growing dates in America. No matter which side of the Colorado River you're on, there's dates happening all over that region. In fact, according to the Bard Valley Medjool Date Growers Association, a consortium of family growers responsible for producing more than 60% of medjools grown in the U.S., 11 million pounds of dates were produced last season. This region 
And for the rest of the country, if you've never been to the desert southwest, it's in a unique part of the country, no doubt about it. It's desert, it's hot, it's dry. You think, why is there even agriculture here? Well, there's a ton of agriculture here. But dates are not unfamiliar to us. Right, certainly. Whether you go over in Palm Springs or Coachella, over in Imperial Valley in California, right here in southwest Arizona, northern Mexico, as you said. Why this part of the country? Good question. Um, it's hot in the summertime. Sure, yes, it is. And and then um, I think we're our we have our, our monsoonal activity happens to coincide during the harvest time. There's pluses and minuses of that. The the plus side is that 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 moisture that that brings kind of gives us a certain moisture level in the dates, which I think kind of helps us kind of stand apart from the rest of the world. The downside is that if you have a gully washer, that could be um, problematic. Um, you know, real heavy rain, we have you know rot issues that go with that. So it, but I think that's those are some of the aspects that help here. You know, we got cheap water, which helps. It's a it's a warm season crop. You know, we get busy when when it starts warming up. They like hot weather. For certain times of the year, we have you know our nights cool off. I think the cool, the, you know, that helps kind of the trees refresh. Sure. Of course, that goes away a bit as the monsoonal season comes on. But uh, but I think the, the 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 spread of the warm days and the cooler nights uh, I think contributes to what we have here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the overnight lows. Our weather in the peak of the summer. Our overnight lows are most of the country's daytime highs. Right, yeah. You know, so yeah. the plant itself, the tree, is basically living in a daytime high and above all the time. Right, yeah. These are not just dates at barred date. These are medjool dates, yes? Correct, that's right, yeah. That's another thing that kind of sets this growing area apart from some of the more historical areas like India, for example, or Coachella. They've got a lot of the varietals of deglets and a whole host of others. When this started getting set out as dates, it's all been medjool. It's almost 100% medjool dates. The Bard Valley Medjool Date Growers Association is exclusively medjool date growers. And talk to me about the medjool. What makes it so special? I, they're the, the biggest of the bunch. So the size, it's a size thing. You know, they're they're flavorful, but that could be said for most, if not all, the dates. You know, mm -hmm. they're all they all, all have their flavor regimes, if you will, or you know, they're, they're the things that set them apart. And uh, and so, but you know, the medjool is flavorful, and then it's also it's also a large date. So. And when you say large, what are the big ones? Maybe an inch and a half long or better. Yeah, yeah. So, at least. Yeah. So um, I forget how many go into an, a pound, but but in any event, it's you know they're they're large dates. We do what we can to make sure that what's in the box goes in the boxes is something that you want to pick up, and they're they're sizable. They're the size that we're looking for. The world loves these. Uh, that's what we're working for. <laughs> okay, no, that's a fair answer. Very fair right. answer. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, we we've gone from oh, I've heard someone say it once that it's a, a the, the the date industry you know twenty years ago plus was that kind of a license to print money. Let's well, that is not so much the case anymore. We've gone from that to uh, almost an oversupply situation. One of the biggest burdens of the the folks who are tasked with selling it is just you know is this increasing our per capita consumption. I think that's the the easy answer to that equation is to have people. With more dates. I love that solution. Eat more dates. And I'm doing my part to support the cause. Believe me. I don't know if they're accessible where you are. If they are, get out there, buy some dates, try them if you never have. Of course you've had them. Super fun, little exotic, very cool. You betcha. My wife, she's not a fan, but I eat all the ones she doesn't want. So there. And you know the cool thing in eating more dates, Bard Date is sending dates all around the world. Tom says it better than me. Check it out. 
we export Australia, believe it or not, their per capita consumption is enviable. If ours is only part of you know part of what theirs is, they eat lots of dates. Australia does. Ramadan, interestingly enough, uh, is a big driver, probably the biggest driver. We sell the most dates during that time of the year. During Ramadan. During, believe it or not, yeah, yeah. Our national you know consumption is going up. Lots of people eat dates here in the states, and so that's that's all. That's the, that's the more the focal point, you know. Well, in our region here, of course, I mean, when I was a kid, dates were very holiday. Certainly. Christmas came and there was date candy and different date things and certainly like that. Right. But, you know, here, well, you need them every day of the week if you want to, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. For the passive observer, you say dates and Arizona or something like that, I would think they came from somewhere else, from the Middle East. Is that true? It is true. Uh, they came from Morocco eventually. Or originally, yeah. I think there is there is a dozen trees or less that I think there is some sort of uh, disease that was going through where they're native to, they're in Morocco. And, and so uh, somebody came along and grabbed a dozen or so shoots. Maybe maybe it might even have been more than that to begin with. And they want uh, just to kind of save the variety, if you will. And, and, brought, and they wound up uh, out in the middle of the desert. I, I think it might even have been Nevada. Large forgotten for a while and uh, and then um, eventually they made their way here in the in the southwest or at least where we're at and so I think all of basically the 4,000 more acres that we have right here uh, uh, between um, California and, and Arizona are from those original nine trees really yeah interestingly enough talk about limited genetics right and <laughs> I mean and they and they control that genetic they like that I mean they want to keep that genetic well it's working Certainly, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's probably a downside to that, but uh, I don't know that's ever been addressed, at least not that I've heard about, you know, but um, the trees produce the kind of fruit that we're looking for. Um, and, and the way of, you know, when we go to set out another planting, they would just you know, take off the harvest, the shoots from the from the mother tree. It's um, pretty low tech, you know, a sledgehammer and a chisel and we'll just, you know, a shovel and, and we'll take them off of the mother tree and then plant them, you know, or either in a pot or directly out in the field for another planting. And so that's kind of where they all come from. That's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. that simple. It's uh, that simple. There's people who are doing tissue cultures and that kind of stuff, but but that's a that's another side that's not mainstream necessarily. You've got these beautiful date gardens. Are there pests and other things that are, are troublesome to you? You know, we're we're among the privileged few that uh, to, to go from conventional to organic is not a big deal. And that's largely because we don't really have any insect pests to speak of. Oh, interesting. Um, so worms can be an issue during certain times of the year uh, in the dates themselves. But I think uh, you know if practices are timely and you're not allowed to sit around much, you know that's not that's not a big issue. You know. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but as far as the day-to-day -day growing stuff, we're we're in a good spot. You know, it's yeah. uh, um, we don't own a spray rig aside from <laughs> spraying weeds here and there. And then, and as far as that goes, I think there's enough of a premium on the on the um, organic side to where uh, we're transitioning what wasn't organic into organic now it's like there's only one one a couple groves left that are that are conventional for different reasons but the rest of them were transitioning organic so do date trees do they age out you know they're 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 grass they're monocot it's a it's a crazy craziest deal really? um, and so um th i think that explains perhaps to some degree, a lot of their behavior, no, they don't age out. What happens is you can't reach them anymore. They, they'll grow oh, between one to two feet a year, depending on how old they are. I think it slows down as they get older. But the problem is that you can't reach. And of course, that doesn't happen for 30 or 40, you know, probably 40 years. You know, I think the, the oldest grows around here are at least 40 years old. And so I think I think there's only there's a few of those that are, I think they're starting to kind of get to that place where they're going out of reach. But that's the issue, believe it or not. They don't go into decline like so many of our other, you know, like lemons or probably deciduous, right. those kinds right. of fruits trees do um, they 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 stay in the game <laughs> the biggest problem is they grow too big and you can't get to them yeah right yeah that's fantastic yeah, yeah. so our reach lifts you know they're 
I think they they go to fifty some feet, and so these trees will get there, you know. And and so you know we have the platforms and there's all the, the all the uh, protection equipment that goes with you know um, uh, working a crop that can be that far off, off the ground. But uh, it's a it's a it's it's a fun crop to grow. Um, you, you say that a crop that's that far off the ground. Not a lot of farmers can say that. No, <laughs> no. Rather than looking down, we're looking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way up. Yeah. Open field radio. If you haven't heard it, it's new to you, right? Gowan USA has a broad selection of herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides to deliver customized solutions for your crops. Gowan provides the right programs to fit your unique needs, standing behind our products with expert service and support. And Gowan USA is family-owned and operated right here in the United States of America for over 55 years. That's a long time. Check it out for yourself at GowanCo.com. And now you know. Open Field Radio. Like. Share. Subscribe. This is Chandler Bennett, Parabug, Salinas, California. Pilot to Bombardier, all bugs out, bombs away. Season 1, Episode 10, and you're listening to Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest from Bard Date Company, Tom Fitchin. What's your favorite thing about dates? Oh, that's a good question. Um, there's a level of sophistication to agriculture that that is lost on most people. But with that said, uh, there's also it, it, it's a it's a it's a dance, if you will, between art and science. You know, there's uh, and and I and um, it's important to recognize both sides of it. If we if we abandon one for the other, uh, we're we're not the farmer we could be otherwise. And so that uh, that that dance, if you will, between art and science is very important. The creativity that's in there, along with the exactly. the numbers and the pragmatic. Precisely, part. precisely. Yeah, you can't if you if you wring the life out of it looking for the numbers, you're going to do that very thing. You know, so it's a. I mean, it's it's important to do that. I mean, it's important to look at the numbers. We all have our spreadsheets, you know. But with that said, I think of it this way. Someone was telling me that that some of the researchers in uh, in the tulip. Uh, fields in um, where do they grow those things? Holland. Holland. Thank you. Have discovered language between the flowers, if you will. Whoa! Interesting, isn't that interesting? So, if that's the case, I think it behooves the farmer to learn the language of their crop, if I can put it in those words. So, I, as a farmer, you know, I take great delight in walking the fields, and you go out walk with your eyes open, you're paying attention, you know, and hopefully with your mind's clear enough where you can pay attention to stuff and, and see things, you know, and, and, and it's the subtle nuances uh, oftentimes which, which, which maybe speak the loudest, you know, if you're paying attention. So the learning the language of your crop is very important as, a, as an effective farmer. I like dates. I'm sure you like dates. Yeah, They're awesome. great to eat. I have four of my oatmeal every morning. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> four of them in your oatmeal every yeah, morning. Yeah. Tell me about them. They're great to eat. Yeah, they are. They're they're um you know, they, they keep well. Um, they you know? do. And so that's you know, I have to worry about them rotting on you necessarily. When you eat one, it's kind of like uh concentrated sugar. It is that. Certainly, you know, yeah. feel, and that's what it feels. I mean, I I love them. Well, you get the feeling that I don't know. Maybe I'll look it up. You get the feeling that if you left one and left it alone, you could come back a year later and pick it up and eat it. Yeah, it, it yeah. may not be soft, but it it would just concentrate, right. and that I mean, would be that. I mean, there's you know, you're walking through, you know, walking through these gardens. If you, um, you know, there's there's still fruit on the ground from last year, and they're you know the, the looks of it haven't changed much you right. know, since when it came off the tree three four months a year ago. Yeah, so, yeah, it's interesting. So in celebration, so to speak, of Tom being actually in the studio with me, which is a great change, we decided we'd take a trip out to the date gardens. They are just from where the studio sits, 
Ah, they're not that far. Little drive, no big deal. Couple minutes, not a real big deal. Needed to shoot some pictures and some photos for the episode. And of course, I'll never turn down an opportunity to get it right out there and see it. Some of the things we talked about, yes, you heard him talk about it in the show already, but it somehow just sounds better outside. Check it out. So let's just, you, you said they're more complicated than... Yeah, they're complicated. They're more complicated than a lot of crops. Um, you know, they're, they're just... Uh, there's more to them than meets the eye, you know. What, so, what does a happy tree look like? Well, I, you know, you, you you get your arms around what that picture looks like, mm-hmm. but then you keep learning more and more about what the language that these trees speak, you know, and what and and what contributes to a happy tree. So, it's taken me longer to figure out this crop than it has others, as as far as what that looks like, you know. You said it's more difficult than people think. It is, yeah. There's more. There, the the look is more maybe complex than other crops, perhaps. And, you know, the, the age and the setting and all those kinds of things contribute to what that look looks like, you know. And speaking their language that, mm-hmm. that we were talking about earlier. But um, I heard it once that a farmer's job is, is you know, is to show up and pay attention. And the paying attention part is is really important. You know, just, uh, you know, walking into your field with your eyes open and, and, uh, and looking for those little subtle nuances that um, could really be lost on most people. It's beautiful out here. It is. Yeah, it, it's it serene is. out here. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.